Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. I'm so happy you're here today. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hope you're all having a great December. Today, we are putting out a rerun episode, and I'm really excited to share this episode with Lori Hennis, who is the women's track and field and cross-country head coach at NC State. She also just became coach of the year, which is really exciting. Uh, NC State women's team just won their second NCAA title in cross-country. And so I thought this would be a really cool time to re-air the episode I had with Coach Hennis last year after they won the title in 2021. Now, one other cool thing about this episode is next week we're airing an episode with her daughter, Ellie, who runs for Adidas and lives out in Flagstaff and used to run on the team at NC State. So I thought this would be a great time. Give Sandy Boy Productions a little break week throw out this rerun episode, get to know Coach Hennis, and then get to know Ellie next week. So I am super inspired by what Lori does with the program at NC State, how she coaches this team, and I think you're going to enjoy it too. So enjoy this conversation. We are going to replay the whole intro from last year as well so you can you know, make sure you know her history and, and all the information about her as well. All right, enjoy this episode with Coach Lori Hennis. This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 362, and I'm talking with Lori Hennis. Lori is the head women's cross country coach at NC State. Their team won the national title at the NCAA cross country championships in 2021, which was a really big deal. It was the first national cross country championship from NC State. Lori was also named the USTFCCA national cross country coach of the year in 2021. Lori has been with NC State for a very long time, all the way back to when she ran for NC State, where she won a national title in the 5,000 meters and set school and conference records while competing for NC State. As a graduate student, she finished fifth place at the USATF Nationals and earning herself a spot on the United States track and field team in the 10,000 meters for the 1993 World University Games. Lori also competed in the U.S. Olympic trials in the 10,000 in 1996, and she joined Coach Geiger's coaching staff at NC State in 92 as a graduate assistant. So she's been with this team coaching since 1992. One of the coolest things about her story is she got to coach her daughter, Ellie. Recently, Ellie now runs for Adidas professionally, but Ellie was on the NC State team under her mom as a coach. And we get to talk about that unique experience as well. We talk about the team last year who won the national title and what her legacy will look like at NC State. Very cool. You know, I love talking to coaches. I specifically love talking to women who are coaches. One of my all-time favorite episodes in this podcast is episode 268 with Marisa Powell. She's the director of track and cross country at the University of Washington. Uh, Also really loved my conversation 341, episode 341 with Julie Coley. 
who was the director of track and cross country at Georgetown University. She now works for Brooks. All three of these ladies are mothers and passionate about women in the sport. You'll hear about that in this episode with Lori. She'll talk about what that was like raising young kids and being a coach, what that looks like now. Both of her kids are out of the house. And this was super fun. You know, I recently moved to North Carolina um, in Raleigh, pretty close to NC State. So it was fun to hear from the head coach here in my new town. All right, friends, if you do enjoy this podcast, share it with someone who you think might also enjoy it and leave us a quick rating interview on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you are listening so that potential new listeners can find us. That would just be such a great help in growing this audience. I am so grateful for you. And I really hope that you enjoy this conversation with Lori Hennes. All right. Well, today on All Have Another, we have Lori Hennes on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Lori. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really excited to speak with you. Congratulations on winning the national championship this fall. Yeah, thank you. Are you guys still celebrating? <laughs> uh, yeah, they, we, uh, we're actually at the halftime of the men's basketball game tonight, and we were at the women's game uh, Sunday, which is really cool. So the women on the team have taken to calling it the end of the victory tour and getting ready for indoors. Oh, that's so exciting. You know, I recently moved to Raleigh just this past summer. So it's been really fun to follow a little bit closer now that I live in your city. Yeah, ACC basketball is really fun. And a lot of our um, a lot of our women actually were, you know, multi-sport athletes in high school. So we have uh, particularly a lot of them played basketball. Actually, Hannah Steelman is one of our All-Americans. Her dad is a, a college basketball coach. And so she grew up playing basketball. And so did a couple of the other women on the team. So they're pretty excited to you know, be honored at halftime of ACC games and that kind of thing. Oh, that's so cool. I was, my kids were out like sledding, you know, it was like barely snowing, but (laughs) um, they were like sledding down the hill the other day, our neighborhood hill. And my neighbor comes out and I was um, running in and out of my house watching the marathon in Houston, you know, live streaming it. And my neighbor comes out and he knows I host a running podcast and he just starts talking all about your cross country team. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm actually interviewing the coach in just a couple days. And so it's, it's always funny because I meet new neighbors and you know, if you're not a fan of the sport, you're not going to follow my podcast, but they'll actually be interested to hear this one talking to you because the community has really been excited about this. I was going to say, they really, really have, um, you know, when we, we do some of our long runs at American tobacco trail and every time we're there, people come up, talk to me, talk to the women. And I think that's pretty cool because, you know, it happens in a lot of other sports, but not so much in, in track and field and cross country. So when they're out doing a long run and people are yelling congratulations or coming over and asking to take, you know, a picture afterwards stuff, that's pretty cool. You know, uh, we go to Umstead a lot and it doesn't happen as much there because it's a little bit, a little bit quieter, <laughs> yeah. but at, at tobacco trail, it definitely does. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, this, this is a big running community here and, and we've, this team has definitely felt a lot of support from that, which is really cool. Um, so I have run both the Tobacco Trail and Umstead. I always want to say Umstead, but I know you <laughs> locals say Umstead, right? Yeah. yeah, and Shank Forest, which is where we meet. So that's the part. Um, that's actually um, part of the NC State Forestry School. And so we have there's a little bit of land there that's just NC State's. Oh, cool. Well, Tobacco Trail is just a little bit far. Like it's a drive. And so I default to Umstead. And but I know that it, that tobacco is much busier, at least from what I've seen. It is. It's definitely a lot more crowded. And so like, you know, the Saturday mornings there are a little bit tough 
um, our, our group is kind of big and they like to run together. So, you know, we always have to remind them to leave enough room on the trail. Hopefully we're doing that, but I'm um, said so that's not as big a deal, but I mean, for us, really the difference is just the Hills. You know, if we want a little bit flatter long run or something with some tempo in it, we'll, we'll definitely go to tobacco because you cannot avoid the Hills at Umstead. Okay. So tell me uh, about your team size at NC state. How, what's your philosophy? I've talked to different coaches who do different things, um, I can't remember who it was, but I know one of the coaches I've talked to at the college level that she keeps a smaller team. Another coach wants it as big as, as she can so that, um, you know, as many kids as, as possible can have the opportunity to run on the team. What's your strategy with that? I would say we're kind of in the middle of that. We're not at this, we're not at a point where we make it, you know, super restrictive for someone who has had a lot of success in high school to, to walk on if they want to. Um, we're, you know, our, our total roster is, you know, probably between 18 and 20 or 21 most of the time. I, I feel really strongly that we want to keep it small enough that, um, that that I can give enough individual attention to each athlete in the program. But we do have a large staff on the distance side here. And so obviously only, only three of us can actually do coaching under the NCAA rules, but we have two director of ops that are, you know, distance-based former athletes for us and a couple of volunteer assistants. And so our staff is pretty big and I feel pretty comfortable in that low 20 range that they're getting enough attention. Um, but, you know, also we, we've had a lot of success with, um, you know, runners from particularly North Carolina. We were, we are a state school that maybe didn't run as fast in high school. as Some of the other athletes in the program that have really developed and, and we, you know, we really believe in development in general here, you know, whatever level you're coming in at, we want your best finish at NCAAs to be in your fourth or fifth year if you're still here. You know, we want that development to keep happening. So we want to give that opportunity. But, you know, unfortunately, we have to do it within a certain framework because we can't get I, I don't want it to get to a point where I don't people don't feel like they have enough individual attention to to continue to develop and compete at this level. Yeah, I I'm wondering about that as a coach, you know, making sure that your athletes aren't like peaking when they're freshmen and, and whatnot. And I wonder how you handle that when you have someone coming in, that's just got a huge talent and, uh, you're competing to be a national championship team. How do you make sure you're not like overdeveloping kids when they're super early on in their college career, but you want the best for the team at the same time? Yeah, that's a, you know, a, a definite balancing act there. And, you know, we feel as a staff here, a huge amount of responsibility to all the athletes in the program. But, you know, particularly when you have athletes that were, you know, massive talents in high school, and we want to be careful and, and nurture that for sure and and make sure that we're allowing that development even in that range. And so we do do that. You know, we, we hope that particularly in cross country, we're always deep enough that we never have to have a freshman come in and make a huge impact and that we're doing the development piece right so that you know we don't aren't lining up I mean I've been here a long time I feel like if I'm lining up five freshmen I'm doing something wrong because where are your juniors and seniors so um you know we we hope that that we that gives us time to allow the freshmen to develop but certainly some of them come in at a level where they're an immediate impact and so um we just try to make sure that we're always leaving room for growth, which, you know, most of them have had very good high school coaches that have done the same thing. So, you know, we talk to people about their goals early on too. You know, some people's goals in competitive running do end at the end of college. You know, if they want to go to med school or law school or, you know, start a professional career right away. And I think that it's a little bit different than someone who says like, I want to have a professional career in running. 
you know, we want to make sure that we're leaving enough room for them to do things after college that they're not maxed out mileage wise or intensity wise, those kinds of things. So we are try to be very careful with that. But it is hard when you have such a high level group of women, everybody wants to run at that level. And so everybody's saying, well, I, I want to do what they're doing. But, you know, we're very adamant that, you know, the 18 and 19 year olds don't necessarily do the same thing that someone who's been here for four or five years and is 22 or 23 does. It's so hard too, because at that age, I just, I remember being in college and patience is hard. And like one year from now at this stage in my life seems like it's tomorrow. But when you're 19, it seems really far away. And you know, we keep telling them like it, it, your eligibility really is precious. Like it, it seems like it's taking a long time for that. You know, they, they want everything right now, but it, you know, we, we, so we do try to make sure we don't rush anything. You know, it's, it's so tempting to, with three seasons, it's hard. This level, when you have really high level athletes, you know, to say you're going to be ready to go at an NCAA cross country championship and then an indoor championships in March and an outdoor championships in June. And then if you're really good, maybe the Olympic trials, it's tough. And I don't think you can do all three of those seasons for four or five years in a row at a high level. So we, you know, we'll, we'll tend to back off and indoors at times, um, you know, and just to be careful because I think you're coming off an NCAA cross country season and ramping right back up in January is tough. Yeah. So what's going on right now with the team? You guys are ramping back up. We are. They had it. So we, um, most of our top women from NCAA cross, we went to Boston two weeks later and got one of the uh, NCAA indoor marks out of the way. So I really like that schedule. If you, you know, you're super fit coming off the end of an NCAA cross country season, just, we don't do much in between there and the track meet in, in Boston, they just go and they worked out really well this year. People ran really fast. And so they took a pretty big break after that. So we do have a few people coming off that racing, you know, very off events this weekend, but we won't really start racing till, you know, mid February probably. Okay. Be very limited, you know, maybe three indoor meets total. But if we can compete at the NCAA, obviously we want as many people to do that as as possible. But um, we're not going to kind of fly all over the country chasing marks for an indoor season at this point. Um, how many is is everybody that ran on the national championship team still with you guys? Like nobody's eligibility is done or graduated halfway through. Well, half of them have graduated, but none of their eligibility is done. So ah, <laughs> nice. Other things COVID has done. Yeah, we have a lot of we, it's it's um that's a little bit. Uh, you know, challenging schedule wise, because it's not as easy to miss a graduate class. It's maybe only once a week and three or four hours. And so we've, we've got a little bit of challenge with that scheduling wise, because we have so many athletes in grad school at this point, uh, that that's, that that becomes a scheduling issue. But yes, everyone who ran, um, in the cross country season is still here, at least through this indoor and outdoor season. Okay. So of the women who ran in the championship race, how many are like post-grad? So, um, let's see, three or four of them are in grad school, wow. but to be fair, Kelsey Camille, who was our born runner has been here only two and a half years. She graduated in December after okay. two years in undergrad. So she has all kinds of eligibility left. She just came in with so many AP credits and, uh, that she, she actually graduated in December with her undergrad. So she eventually wants to be a vet and, uh, will go to vet school, but not, I don't think that that won't mesh with competing. So she's getting a master's degree now for the next two and a half years here or two, at least. 
So talk to us about like building the program into what it is today into becoming that national championship team, because I know that it's been a long process and, you know, just like I was saying with my neighbor, you know, he's just in awe. He was in awe of like what you've done with the program over the years as someone who's not even a big fan of the sport of running. So clearly you've made an impact as the coach. And I'm just curious how you've built that. So, I mean, I, you know, I ran for NC State and Coach Geiger, who is the director of the program, and he is still the director of the program here now. And so, I, you know, I chose NC State because we were preseason ranked number one in the country when I was in high school. So I think, you know, we had a couple of years in there that were, you know, kind of down. But I think people are kind of looking at this as like this build from what we weren't very good for a year or two there. But we really had a couple down years. And honestly, I think that was kind of after I took over a little bit more of it. I think when. I mean, to be honest, I think when my children were younger, I probably didn't do as good of a job recruiting in some of that, that as I could have because it's, you know, there's so much travel and I probably got, it was a little bit difficult in there. And then um, as that's happened, I, I think we've been able, I've been able to work with Coach Geiger and we've been able to recruit kind of the right people again and, and build, you know, the culture that we're looking for. And, you know, we, we talk about this all the time, but um, people want to focus on the training or how good some of these athletes were in high school. And I think that that all those things are extremely important, but um, they have a lot of fun and they really like being together. They they spend all, all the off season as much time together as they can. And I think that, you know, people talk about winning being fun and like winning the national title was extremely fun. Winning ACCs is is definitely fun. But I think that, um, you know, we're winning that much because, as we have fun it's not just the winning part being fun like they they really want to run for each other and be be around each other and push each other and work hard together and so I think you know we we've worked on developing that but sometimes it's just you get the right leaders in the program and it just feeds off of itself and I think that we've been very fortunate to do that I and mean, we've worked hard at trying to develop the leaders that we've had in, in different ways um you know but I think that that's really been the case that's happened the last you know six or seven or eight years. And so I think that works in recruiting too, that you attract the same people or people that that's important to when they can see that that's what you have. Yeah. It must be a little bit challenging to balance the fun with the serious because at points you have to be serious. But, you know, I was just Kira D'Amato who just broke the American record in the marathon, as I'm sure you know, (laughs) (laughs) um, was being interviewed on the Today Show yesterday or the day before. And Hoda says like, um, you know, at some point you decided, like, I didn't want to just do this for fun anymore. It wasn't enough, the fun. And Kira says, well, it is fun. That's why I am where I am. Like, I I do run for fun. That's how I did this. And so, you know, and I think I wonder about the kids that come in that were super, super good in high school winning state championships and how to make sure they still know how to make sure that it's fun and not just serious. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I mean, definitely there's, you have to be serious about it, you know, to run at this level and and the times in the NCAA are getting crazy and people are running so fast. And so, yes, you have to be serious about it. But I think what we look for and what we hope people is, is that people that that is fun to them too. You know, if it's not, we always say, if you're like, if it's hard to lace up your shoes and you don't want to do that, like this is not, this is not the place. (laughs) It's just, it puts people if it's putting you in a bad mood or practice isn't the best part of your day, it's not a good thing. And, you know, that's one of the things we talk about all the time. Coach Ayers always said that. And we say that now I I want 
practice to be the best part of their day. It is for us. Like I want them looking forward to like, I can't wait to get to practice and see my friends and run with my friends and do this, you know? So uh, we, we work hard at that and not everything is, yeah, it, it's definitely not like every day is like, Ooh, let's go run this 10 miles today. It's so fun. You know, I mean, but I think that it's the stuff outside of it too, that they, you know, brunches after long runs and, you know, their team trips in the summer that they do together. I think that they just have a lot of fun with that, but it, you know, it, it's that idea that running for something bigger than yourself, the team part, you know, makes it fun. So I think the pro level is a little bit, you know, harder. I mean, my daughter's kind of, in, you know, has just is, is running professionally now. And it's no matter how many like teammates you have, it's still different than lining up trying to win an NCAA cross country title. You have teammates, but it's different and it's your job. You know, we always say this isn't your job. If you're on scholarship, we're not paying you to run. We're paying for your education or helping offset the cost of your education, but not being paid to run. But, you know, at Kira's level, the next level, you are being paid to, to run. <laughs> and so it, I think there's a difference there. And we try to make the college part of this still more about being a student athlete, the team aspect, and, you know, then deciding whether you want to do this professionally. Hey, friends, a quick break here to thank Pravenex for supporting this episode of the podcast. Pravenex is where I go for my multivitamins and supplements, particularly the Joint Health Plus is such a great supplement for runners. It protects your joints. I've had so many people come to me and say they couldn't believe how well the Joint Health Plus worked and how much better they feel from using it. I am a big fan of their protein powder. I use it pretty much every day. My kids use it as well. It's delicious. They have vanilla and chocolate. It is vegan and it is tasty to just shake up with water after a quick workout or you can make a really delicious nutrient-dense smoothie with it. I actually sprinkle it on bananas and peanut butter for my kids. They love it that way. And there's just no other company I believe in, like I believe in Prevenex when it comes to vitamins and supplements and protein powder, I should add. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order, or you can use the code LINDSAY15, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5 for 15% off. Go check it out. They have a money back guarantee on all their products. So if you are not 100% satisfied, they will make it right with you. But I have a feeling you will be satisfied. Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER or Lindsay15 for 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. Uh, talk about what it's been like coaching your daughter and now kind of sending her off on her way to run professionally. Yeah, it was it was an amazing experience collegiately. I uh, we both say all the time it never would have worked in high school. I did not coach her at all in high school. She went to Green Hope High School here in in Perry and um, had Roger Collins was her high school coach and he was amazing and is amazing. He's at Green Level now, um, but we would have clashed quite a bit when she was in high school and, and she admits that and I admit it, um, but it, it really developed into. Um, as a coaching relationship, something that was really cool and really special, you know, at the end of her career here. So it is different, you know, when she has, she's very, very consistent. So she doesn't have very many rough days, but when she does, she'll still call. And, you know, she had a couple this week and, Oh mom, I'm not sure if I, am I really that fit? And I'm like, what does your coach say? Well, he says, I really am. So, you know, I think that it's just a different, it's kind of fun going back to being the parent part of that and not, not the coach part, but it's hard now to completely separate it when, you know, for five years I did do that. But, um, but I really enjoy, um, 
having her work with other people that you trust, you know? So I think that, the, I think the situation she's in, um, Mike Smith is, is coaching her and um, her, Rachel uh, Schneider is her main training partner and they're just awesome people. So she's having a lot of fun and she's really excited to race. That has to feel pretty good as a mom to know she's in good hands. You know, Rachel Schneider just seems like the most kind and caring and wonderful human and, and a, older than Ellie, obviously. So like just to know that she has that kind of mentor as a training partner has to feel so good. Absolutely. I think Rachel is one of the nicest people I've ever encountered. And, uh, and I know my daughter is, you know, she's still, yeah, she just turned 23 a little bit ago. Like it's got to be a little bit, you know, feeling like babysitting probably for, um, some of the older pros when they bring in, it's the same thing here when you have a fifth year senior or something and you bring in an 18 year old, you know, one of our, one of our athletes said, I can't remember exactly um, what the, the time difference was, but she, she was a fifth year senior and we were bringing in the um, freshman. And she said, there's as much difference between me and the freshman as there is between them and a seventh grader and, or sixth grader. It's and that's wild that, to think about. Think of, and so the next same thing happens at the pro level, you know, you have these 22 year olds who don't know like oh I need an accountant oh I need <laughs> you know they're coming out of college figuring all this stuff and you've got like the season pro so it yeah as a parent it makes me feel great that she's got someone around her that can help her you know that I coach that you know she definitely trusts and, and people around her to help her navigate that for sure okay so tell us what it was like as someone who was a national champion yourself ran for NC State ran professionally six of the Olympic trials knowing that you had a daughter as she got older that also had a gift and could run well. Um, like you said, you couldn't coach her in high school like that wouldn't have worked out. But like, how do you kind of give her your thoughts and advice and encouragement and belief, like share your belief in her that you know she can be great without overstepping or you know if you push too much as a parent what you're going to do is push them away so how did you balance that be interesting to see what her answer was if she <laughs> but, um we well it is interesting because you know it, as a parent people ask sometimes can you tell right away and like particularly with Allie I think it was fairly obvious fairly early that she was pretty talented you know she played soccer did all those other sports and then like their soccer coach would take them to a turkey trot and she would run 20 minutes without doing anything <laughs> in like sixth grade and you're like hmm. you know she's probably okay but um she would say and I will admit that we did kind of not force her for sure but really encourage her to run cross country her freshman year when she didn't wasn't sure she wanted to because I think sometimes the, the, all the different sports are great, um, for sure. And, and she did that and we're big believers in that. Um, but just trying something that you know that they're really good at, like trying to get them to try it and then back away. And, um, she actually spent her freshman year at a different high school at Athens drive where, um, you know, at the time the cross, it wasn't like a cross country wasn't a big deal there. There weren't a lot of people training really hard. And then we moved, we just wanted, we, we moved to a different house and she, you know, we, she ended up at Green Hope and this just like we were able to just completely step back because the team, it was exactly the kind of atmosphere we would have wanted her in. The team was trying to make it to NXN to the national championships in high school. And there were seniors and juniors on the team that were, that was their goal. And they were, you know, I, I think she said in a, a podcast that she did, she's like, I, for the first time I was around like girls older than me. And I was like, they like this. Mm. Like, 
they're really into this and they're working really hard. And so it just kind of fed off of that. And so I think that that's why it ended up being that NC State was a perfect fit for her because she really bought into the team aspect on the cross country side and, you know, trying to win these team titles. And, and she went to cross country nationals by herself twice, but with the team once. And, you know, she said the difference between that was night and day. She said, I don't want to be, she said, maybe I could be good enough to make it to NCAAs as an individual somewhere. She goes, I don't want to be there as an individual. She said, I will run harder and work harder and run better, you know, with teammates that are, that we have a common goal. So we really were able to really kind of stay out of it there. But like at NC State early was tough because, um, yeah, like, you know, as a parent, you can see the talent, you can see what can happen. Um, and then the, the she wasn't nearly as serious as other some other athletes at that level and so it was a little bit frustrating at times you know you need to sleep more Mm -hmm. you need to do these things you need to eat better you need to you know like all the things that elite athletes need to do better she would always tell me I'm saving that for next year mom so (laughs) somewhere to get better I'm like eventually you're 22 like what are you saving this for but yeah I think it's probably worked for her because um she does have a lot of room like her mileage never got super high here. Um, she never really focused on nutrition or those things very much. And so she's now she's actually trying to do those things. And I think because, again, it, it is her job now. So it's more that she's like, OK, this is my job. I need to really kind of try to focus on these things. So I think she's doing that better. But it is definitely a fine line. And, and I think early on in her career here, we had some very, very good leaders, seniors, and so every once in a while, they would kind of say, hey, coach, you know, you're being a little harder on her than you situation. You probably, you know, like you don't know everything that we do because you're not our mom, but well, we kind of do the same thing. So you should back off. So, yeah. Oh, that's kind of hilarious, actually, that they called you out. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> once in a while. Oh, that's good. Uh, what about your other daughter, Jordan? What does she do? Uh, she wants to be a teacher and she is at App State here in North Carolina in Boone, they had a, Boone got, you know, over a foot of snow in this last snowstorm. And she, you know, was raised in Cary here. So she, you know, has not seen a ton of snow. (laughs) We were FaceTiming the other night and she opened the door to her apartment and snow just started coming in. So she, uh, we told her, you know, we're like, you need to go, you need to have enough food in case, you know, all these things in case you lose power, but she never lost power. So I think she really likes it. She, um, she wants to teach or maybe get into like policy administration of teaching. She's, and she's, she's known that for a little while. And she, she did look at NC state, um, you know, but app state, I think she, she liked the mountains and the whole, um, and they were kind of founded as a teaching school. So their, their, their college of education is really cool. And she's, she likes it there. Did she, now did she ever run? She ran one indoor season. We kind of talked her into just trying it. And um, she actually was running really pretty well. And Ellie, and Dominique Claremont, who's on the team, they've been roommates forever and are really good friends. They came to her indoor meet, the ones she ran. And she, like, hadn't trained much. Won the slow section, I think, in, like, 320, like, 80-second pay, but, like, kicked and w- w- ran really well. And Ellie and Dom ran over to her and gave her this big hug. And, and Dom, I think, said, Jordan, do you like running now? She's like, no, that was the most <laughs> thing I've ever done in my life. So we're like, yeah, no, you can, you don't have to do it. The coach wasn't Roger, but a different coach at Green Hope that year tried to motivate her by saying, like, you might make our four by eight and the four by eight goes to the state meet. And she's like, oh, no, I'd have to hand a baton to someone and people would be watching and counting <laughs> on me. She is not 
Yeah, she does not. Uh, we feel we always feel bad because when we finally are all together again now, like a lot of the talk is about running, and so we always try really hard to have conversations that aren't about running. But she she does like she came to Eugene. She got to watch Ellie win the win the national title. She stayed for the trials. So like she's into her sister running, but she's not not a running fan necessarily. Uh, what what's it like with recruiting though when you're recruiting and you're recruiting your daughter to be on the team? So, you know, she would, she has told this story a couple of times that she was not sure she wanted to run in college. And so, you know, people started calling her and, and we said, why don't you take some visits? And she, she did, she visited, she actually only took an official visit to Providence. I really like Ray Tracy and, mm. um, and that program. And so I was happy that that was one of the places she chose to take a visit and she loved it. Um, but on her visit here, like I, I tried to be really careful about not spending much time. You know, normally we have quite a few meetings with the coaching staff and she definitely did so that she could actually have the, the official meeting with myself and with Coach Geiger. But um, she spent a lot of time with the team and and uh, she said she never, and, I, and this made me feel kind of good too, she never realized like, I try to not bring all of it home with me all the time. And so she said like, I never realized that exactly what I was looking for team-wise is what was already going on at NC State. And so it was right after the visit, she didn't take any any other visits then you know it's you mentioned earlier like those years when your kids were really little and you maybe you didn't focus on recruiting the way you do now and I just wonder how much a barrier to the coaching at the college level motherhood can present because of that I mean I have little kids and I don't want to travel all the time and be away from them that's so hard what are your thoughts on that Honestly, I think things are a lot better. It's not that much, you know, it's not been that long, but I think there are lots of different ways to do it now that are a little bit more, except like what we're doing right now, or people can, you, know, you can have Zoom calls. And so, you know, and I think that people just didn't do that as much at the time. So everything seemed to be based on traveling and making a ton of calls at night. And, you know, it's tough when kids are young, like they, they are at daycare and then you come home and to make recruiting calls at night when you haven't seen them today, it, it's difficult. And, and I think I could have probably handled it better um, looking back at, um, and done a little bit more of that because I do think that it, that it probably did have a bit of an effect on um, the team for a few years there where I probably wasn't doing as much as I could have um, been doing recruiting wise, but you make choices and, you know, I mean, that, those were some of the choices I, th- I made at that time, but I think too now, like our administration here is amazing with it. I think things have gotten so much better where people realize the benefit of having women in high level positions working with other women. And so they, there are things in place to make that a little bit easier now, I think. And I think people understand it too, you know, you're calling and saying, Hey, sorry, I'm, I'm probably not gonna be able to get on the phone, come, come to the, your meet this weekend because my daughter has one. And I think that people understand for, for women in this profession, you know, there's got to be some give and take. And it doesn't mean that you're not seriously recruiting those people or seriously interested in them if you don't call every Thursday night at seven. I think people understand that a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, I have to think too, I mean, my husband, we, I think we share child care stuff 50-50 for the most part. And like, as the dad, he wouldn't want to be traveling all the time either. You know, I think, I don't know why it's just so, that's so female focused, but just like when you have a young family, whether you're the mom or the dad, I think it's hard regardless. I know that, you know, if you're breastfeeding your babies, that's a whole nother ball game. Obviously the dad doesn't do that, but 
I think it's hard. It's hard for moms and dads, right? Yeah, I think so. And we had a really challenging situation with my, you know, my husband ran for NC state too. So he definitely like understands everything super supportive, but he, his region for a portion of the time with work when our children were little was Australia, New Zealand, and Southeast Asia. So he was traveling there. Yeah. Um, wow. In time I was traveling and my parents, you know, we didn't have family living in North Carolina. Um, so, um, they tra- sometimes the the girls did travel with me when they were little. Um, when Ellie was, uh, I I was speaking at what was Foot Locker then East Bay now the high school cross country, and Ellie was born in October, so that was December, early December, and we're on the flight, and the flight attendant is like, "Oh, she's so little. Is this her first flight?" <laughs> like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, "What am I doing? It was her tenth flight because it was, Ten- yeah." Yeah, well, with counting all the connections, right? Because she came to regionals with me. She came to nationals, which were in Lawrence in Kansas that year. And so bundled her up. But my husband came too, and we brought an extra. Um, Coach Geiger was always so good. Like, we brought an extra athlete to help watch oh. her at that NCAA, during the NCAA championships. And so, like, we made it work, but it was, yeah, super challenging. He, he as soon as he could get out of that position, he did as well. Because, yeah, he didn't want to be in thailand when you know he was trying to you know help with the kid and, and and i would love to say that it was 50 50 but it's definitely he's way more than he, he's done way more than 50 percent like if um if they now need to sew something onto you know they, they call my husband oh, he so won the he, he he will let everyone know that he won the home ec eighth grade award so he's very <laughs> sewing, cooking, all those things. So um, they call him with those things. And now I'm kind of like hurt. I'm like, I don't even know anything was wrong. And they're like, yeah, we called dad. We <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's definitely, it was, it, that was, I think another part of that time period was just extremely challenging with both of us traveling. I can't um, imagine. And overwhelming. And I'm, I'm just really grateful that I made it through that time period coaching. Cause I think what happens is a lot of, you know, talented women or women that would be really good at this don't make it through that time. It gets a little bit overwhelming and they don't, the travel gets overwhelming and they're like, I can't do this. And so they get out of it. And then it's hard to, this is a profession that's hard to get back in if you've been, I mean, it's not impossible. And I think people can definitely still do it, but it's something that is really hard to get back into after, you know, eight years off or something like that. So. Oh, I can imagine. And so the more support people can give younger mothers in this profession, I I think is amazing. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of, coaches that will come up to me like, how did you do this? And what did you do? And, you know, anytime I think those of us who have made it through that can help. But I think, I think all of the mothers in this profession that have are really helpful and so hopefully supportive of, of the young women who still want to, to stay in this profession and have a family. Yeah. What can the administration do? Like what can your colleagues do? What can happen so that you do feel supported? Yeah, I think, you know, being able to take a little bit of time off after, you know, in some jobs, it's, it's, you know, you really can do that and you can completely step away from it. It's really hard in coaching because even if you can step away from the recruiting part, you're you're not going to step away from working with the athletes in the program. Like you're still going to be there for them and those kinds of things. So I think whenever they can have, you know, have someone else on staff that can really help with that. So it's administration. It's also, it's mostly also, I think probably just the staff that you're working with, you know, who you have working with you and, and them being like, I was just, I mean, coach Geyer was great. And then our director of operations, who's still our director of operations, she has three kids now and she, she didn't 
that time, but always, you know, I mean, she still tells stories when Ellie was on the team of like helping potty train her because I was gone and she stayed with her for three or four days and using M&Ms and all these things. And the, that, Ellie said that's why she has a horrible sweet tooth because we used M&Ms to help potty <laughs> But having those types of people around you just, you know, and again, sometimes I, I just feel grateful because you can't always control that. And the fact that, um, well, I mean, I think part of it at NC State is that we are, everyone on this staff on the distance side, and even most of them on the other side are NC State grads. So the family atmosphere we talk about in recruiting, like it's not just on the team and it's not just talk. You know, we are like a family here. And so I think that for me, that made it much easier. And so I have so much respect for people who you know don't have that kind of situation and still are trying to make it work yeah that's really beautiful it's it's beautiful to think about Ellie just like growing up in that world and mom running the show and doing all the things and the fact that then she runs for NC State it's like you're you you have this like legacy that you're still making at NC State but it's just do you ever think about like 20 years from now or however long when you're retired, what your name will mean at NC State? Yeah, and, and maybe not personally so much. I think I think we talk about, um, we're team oriented for sure, but I like the word program more because I think like team implies the seven people that are running this year, right? And so we, we always talk about, I think our women probably know the history of this program you know, really well, and maybe a lot more than some people in other programs, because we talk about when you put the uniform on here, like you're not, you are running for the people that you're lining up with, like certainly at that NCAA championships, but we talk about it being more than just that. It's the people that were, you know, 10 years before you, or will be 10 years after you. So we do try to build that. So hopefully that does come through and that will still be a legacy that, you know, people talk about that this that when you put this uniform on here, it's for this family and for the program, not just for the people that you're lining up with Mm. in that time or that year. This episode of the podcast is supported by Athletic Greens. And I got to tell you, I am hooked on Athletic Greens. I have been hearing about AG1 forever. That is the Athletic Greens product that is filled with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced nutrients in one convenient daily serving. You just put one scoop in, shake it up with eight ounces of water, start your day with it, get your energy going, and it will have you feeling balanced and supported, both your immune system, your digestive system. It has prebiotics, probiotics to help with your gut health, and it also provides metabolism, energy, and stress support. I wake up in the morning, I go straight to my cabinet to get my athletic greens, start my day like that. I love starting the day with a healthy habit, putting this nutrient-dense product into my body. I'm telling you, you gotta try it. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee. And when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five travel packs. You're going to want those travel packs. It helps because you feel like, oh, I'm starting the day the same way I do at home, even when I'm on the go. And plus, when you're traveling, you might not get the nutrient-dense meals that you get at home. So it's that extra security blanket there as well. Like, you know you're getting those 75 vitamins and minerals in when you take your AG1 in the morning. Again, go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, 
and you will get that free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 plus five travel packs of AG1. All right, friends, back to the show. So what does it look like coaching these young women, you know, beyond the running? Because you talk about family a lot. And so, and and obviously like college-aged kids, like that is such a developmental period of their life, like emotionally, spiritually, all the things. So what does your role look like outside of the physical performances? So many things. (laughs) (laughs) So many things. And I think... Um, so I got into coaching because I, I was so super close to my high school coach and she was a matron of honor in my wedding. She's Ellie's godmother. So I had a female coach in, in, in high school and that I was you know really close to, but I think that role is so different. You know, 15 year olds, it's a lot different than working with 18, 19 year olds. And I, and I realized that a lot more actually with Ellie in the program that because I knew what she was like at 12, I kept projecting that onto like that is still who she was or what she might do. And, you know, she's like, mom, I've changed. So I think that that whole, it is really college is that's the time period where people need to learn who the, the, the women hear me say this all the time and they kind of laugh at it. Like if they say they're finding themselves, they're like, nope, coach says you don't find yourself, you make yourself. And so I love know. that. I love that so much. <laughs> you know, I got to find myself. I'm like, no, this is where you decide what you're going to, who you're going to be and, and what's going to be important to you. And, you know, letting them do that on their own is tough at times. It's really, I think the biggest mistake maybe I made as a parent and a lot of parents make young, is like, you know, doing a lot of things for your kids that they are ready to do for themselves Mm. or, you know, stopping them from failing because you can see it, but you know, sometimes they have to fail and that's really hard at this level too, because our job is to win too and to make people successful. But if you don't let, some of that failure come in, they don't learn. And it is amazing how many um, 18 and 19 year olds have not really had anything go wrong and they don't know how to handle it when something does. You know, for some people they get a C on a chem test and they really do feel like it's the end of the world. And, you know, I think like letting people work through that, being there for them, but letting them fail is really something I've had to try to learn to do. But I think people are more successful in life and in running when they can learn to, you know, they have these big failures and then they learn from them and figure out how to do it differently the next time instead of us just stepping in and doing it for them, which is really hard as a parent. Oh my gosh. It's so hard. hard. And hard as a coach too. Well, and it starts at such a young age as a parent. I mean, your kid's trying to get their shoe on. You're just like, just let me do it, you know, because you want to get to the next thing. And it's, it's so much easier to, it's like when you tell your kids to clean the playroom and you're just like, oh, I'll just do it myself because it'll be easier mm-hmm. and it'll be done right. And the same, I think that, you know, the same thing happens even here with training or with their academics. And, you know, like, you, you know, we, you see something happening in a class, you're like, oh, this is going to end poorly, but you've got to let them work through it and talk to the professor and tell you, yeah, we have all, we have all this support and it's awesome. But sometimes they, it's still so much that people step in and fix things for them. And I feel like when they go on to professional career running, sure, but, you know, whatever it is, sometimes you're going to have to have failure and, and go from there. And so I think that, you know, that that's something we do really work on. And I've tried to work on like letting stepping back and, and not over over coaching in running or anything else. You know, like we, we recruit these really high level athletes. They're, they're good for a reason. Like it's who they are. Sometimes I feel like people overcoach, you know, we try to 
And the thing about distance running and cross country too, in particular, you, there's no time out. Like you can't call them over to the sidelines. So they better know what to do when things aren't going well 10 minutes in. And I think that I, I really think a mistake I made younger was to like try to overcoach and tell them exactly what race plan was going to be from start to finish. You know, sometimes you, that it doesn't work that way and they have to be able to adjust. I mean, it, you know, at nationals, um, Caitlin Tui fell and we, you know, we had, we'd had people fall earlier in the year. And, and luckily I think we'd had a lot of conversations about don't panic. If this happens, don't try to make it up in 400 meters, you know, take a thousand meters work, you know, but you can't tell them that during the race. And so this whole, you know, being able to step back during practice and, and, and everything and let them, figure things out for themselves. I think it works out for them to be more successful running, but also, you know, after college and in life too. Wow. That's really, really important. It's interesting to hear you talk about it because, you know, we talk about developing as athletes, but as you're sharing this, it's like, you're talking about your development as a coach over the years. I mean, I think everyone should be learning all the time. And so, you know, we, you know, the training is different than it was. 20 years ago and so is the way probably that we interact with student athletes I think you know a lot of when I I grew up in the you know 80s in high school and a lot of it was just like okay the be coachable the best way to do that is people tell you exactly what to do and you do exactly what they tell you and I think there's still you know a lot of I think there's a lot of good in that but I think this whole idea that's come around of like letting people learn and figure some of these things out and learn from failures and 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 that kind of thing is you know something that maybe wasn't talked about as much you know, 20 years ago, as it is now. We definitely talk about feelings a lot more now. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> um, what's it like coaching different athletes, you know, some athletes that like need a lot more of that? I don't know if handholding is the right word. And then some athletes that are kind of better off doing making their own path you know there's there's got to be kids that are doing both of those and then some kids in the middle and how do you read that as a coach um yeah that's difficult and also I think just the the age differences like a lot of people you know again the 18 year olds coming in probably haven't done a lot of that although some of them have and and then you have 23 year olds who are basically adults and you know it's a it's a lot different but um one of the things we talk about a lot is you know the workouts can be very similar but learning I just really try to get to know everybody really well and learn what makes people tick because it's different for different people. And um, years and years ago, um, Julia Lucas was in the program. She, she missed the Olympic team by, you know, I don't know, 0.04 seconds. And she, she was having trouble at NCAA meets only. She wasn't running well. We brought in a sports psych person that worked really well with her. And he pointed out that she was like crazy at practice, like all over the place. And, and her teammates loved it. And, whatever. and we got to big meets and she tried to be different. She tried to be more serious and it, it wasn't working for her because she was trying to do something, you know, way different at big meets than she was doing every day. And, you know, that was one of, that was a moment for me where I'm like, wow, like everybody tries to force this certain attitude on race day and be super, but that's not what we're doing at practice. So why would we do it at nationals? Why would we act like everything's different or bigger and make these things bigger than they are? So I think like for me, understanding what makes each person you know, kind of tick and, and what is the best situation for them in workouts. It's just something I think that happens as you get to know your student athletes better. And, and as our staff, that is very important to us. I mean, I think that, yeah, the workouts are definitely important. We spend a lot of time on the X's and O's and what exactly the workout should be. But I think I spend a lot of time, almost as much time on what's going to put this person in the best mindset. Um, what kind of workout 
grouping are we going to do? So people like, like for cross country this year, like this, they just knew they could run together because we were doing it every day. And that's not what a lot of people were used to this big group of it, you know, but it, it worked out to be the best thing for this year and everybody really bought into it. But I think like making that, getting that to happen, you know, doesn't, it, it, you have to kind of let it happen, but you have to understand each person and how to get them there. So, um, Again, I think it's just relationship-based and getting to know each person and what works really well for them. Yeah, I heard you mention in an interview after the the championships that you all won. Um, <laughs> like, we don't need to do anything different today. Like, we need to go do what we know how to do. But I'm sure that the women on the team were still pretty nervous. So what are your calming words as a coach? Like, what do you say to them to get them fired up? Um, I, again, this year, we were really fortunate that that was absolutely true. Like the race we had at ACC's, the race we had like, and I told them, you, if you have that race, which we've done over and over again, well, I didn't necessarily say we'll win. I said, if we have that race, if we have this kind of gap, what we've been doing, if somehow we do that and get beat, well, then, so, you know, but this is who we are and it's what we've been doing all year. And so um, I know as Sam Bush has said after who was, you had a big breakthrough as our number five. She said that when I told her, you know, if you can see them, if you can see Kelsey and Caitlin and, and you're that, that then we're going to win. Mm. And if we're going to do that. So she, and she just was awesome. I mean, that was such a big um, breakthrough for her. You know, she hadn't run at an NCAA championships before and just had big breakthroughs all fall. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think this is a, this was a pretty good group. Yes, definitely. They were nervous. They said, you know, some of the interviews they've done, they said they were nervous, but, um, there was a, a big board right by our tent that was putting up this like emoji game and like trivia game. They were just like playing it, like actually like in the warm up. And they said that they kind of looked at each other and knew that everybody was pretty calm and in the right headspace. But, you know, I wish I could say this is like exactly what we did to get them there. But I think we had, again, a lot of older people on the team with experience at this level who realized, hey, this is a, we're in a really good spot. We don't have to do anything different. You know, we just have to do what we've been doing all year and it'll work out. Yeah, such a good recipe there with the all those older leaders on the team. What's it like as a coach to see someone have a breakthroughs like that? I'm sure that you have so much joy when you see that. It was, that was amazing. And, and, and then, I mean, the national for, for Sam, that was amazing, but also, and Allie Hayes is a transfer from Columbia. She, you know, she'd run very well at Columbia and, you know, the Ivies, they lost a whole year. You know, they, they, mm. they couldn't run the cross country season that everybody else ran because the Ivies didn't um, compete at all during that time. They didn't compete in the outdoor track season, so she hadn't competed for so long. And, you know, she had finished 70 something or 80th at, at the last cross country race she ran for Columbia, but, um, to see her be able to do that was awesome too. She and Sam, those big breakthroughs. And then honestly at Boston, um, two weeks later, when Sam Bush ran 8.54 for 3K, I mean, the whole team, and that's what makes me really happy. Like the whole team was so happy for her because she's worked really hard for for this. You know, she was actually, um, when we finished second in early 2021, she was the first alternate. Like she didn't line up, but she was really disappointed to not line up at that NCAA championships. And, and I was too, because I know, where her talent level is and like, you know, it just didn't quite get there in time for that. And I think she responded to that. You know, you can respond to things like that a lot of different ways. And we talked about how to respond to that. And her response was, I'm not going to be in this position again. I'm going to be 
mm-hmm. at this level and help us next year since we since we were second this year I want to be in a position to line up and help us win and she did exactly that and so I think we, we do talk about that a lot how do you you know how do you respond to you can't control everything that happens but you can control your response to those things that are happening and so um, you know her response was to have this major breakthrough and it just made me so happy to see how happy her teammates were and Allie again there too in the 5k it was massive PR 30 second PR something like that and her teammates were just so happy for them and so that I feel the most um, happy about that watching the teammate their teammates reaction okay I'm just thinking about when I was in high school on cross country team and we would get you know you're like you get knocked down to the eighth runner on the team so you're not in the competition and things like that and like because I I was I would always waver you know sometimes I'd be the third runner sometimes I'd have really bad years where I would be sixth seventh and coming off the bottom I and I never really thought about it from the coach's perspective how what is that like as the coach when you have people that are like waffling on and off the teams or how, how how does that all work because I'm sure there's like such an emotional investment in each of these kids there is you want everyone to run well right. and there's math and you can line up seven and so um that's tough you know I we just try to focus I try to focus and have them focus on are you getting better are you progressing you can't really control what somebody else is doing um, we are fortunate enough to have been really deep the last couple of years too so we ran of different people at regionals and we ran at nationals and then we really I think that they really do believe like that's as big a part of winning nationals as if you lined up because it allowed Hannah Steelman to rest mm-hmm. you know Hannah's uh Achilles was bothering her a little bit and had she had to run three races I don't think she would have had the race at nationals that she had so somebody else stepping in and running regionals you know it was as big a part as us winning because it allowed Hannah to be ready to go at nationals and so I think though that only happens when people really care about each other and you know can can see that happening and I think that again I think they all know how much the coaching staff cares and their teammates care but at the end of the day you know you can line up seven at that race but we lined up we brought everyone that was running well to all the big meets and so I think it really feeds off each other and you can see they can see that people get back into that mode you know like Sam Bush didn't make Heather Holt hadn't been there the year before and they were all lining up and running well and so yeah our goal we just really talk about progression being better this year than you were last year better this week than you were last week you know and and hopefully that just working out yeah people in the right place at, at the right time yeah that's good. Yeah, it's I I imagine it's heartbreaking to be the the one that was like, that's not on the 7, but you got to think of it as like the family, the team aspect like you're saying. Um all right, Lori, we've got to wrap up here with some end of the podcast questions. Now you've just like accomplished probably like the most exciting thing in your coaching career ever, but I always wrap up asking what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet. I mean, I guess professionally, like the, the, the team championship was, you know, the, the main thing, like I think NC State coaching wise that we were that I wanted to be a part of. But um, I've never really coached an individual at the Olympics. So I think that would be kind of cool. And personally, um, but, you know, it gets really tough as the kids get older to do vacations. So we, we had this. My, my grandparents are from Italy and Greece and we had this whole trip planned um, that we had to cancel mm-hmm. the, the pandemic. So hopefully, you know, personally, we our family really wants to be able to find a time to be able to do that again together, which would be cool. Um, what year is your other daughter, Jordan? She's in her sophomore year at App State. How are you handling empty nesting? Um, well, 
I still don't have much time, but we are doing a little bit of binge watching of TV. My husband and I, but we've never done, but we're totally on opposite ends of it. Like I, if I get into something like I would watch 10 episodes and not go to bed and he's like, nope, one episode. It's so frustrating. Like, yeah. No, we have to keep watching it, but I'm that way with books and stuff too. So um, different personalities. It's good because he keeps me in a mode where I still get a decent amount of sleep. Yeah. Because otherwise, I just like, keep going. <laughs> what are you binging? Um... Well, he he's done Emily in Paris without me, so I'm behind on oh, that one. Oh, really? Yes, because I'm not home as much. And then we never watched Ted Lasso, so we're watching that, which I really like, too. Mm. Those are the two. Are you we're... season one or season two, Ted Lasso? Mid-season two. Isn't it the best? I love it, yeah. So good. <laughs> okay, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, so it's my daughter gave it to me, actually. And actually, um, Erica Kemp, who ran for us, ABA, she suggested it to it's called um maybe you should talk to someone um they're both psych uh majors and it's kind of it's a, a there it's a story of a therapist you know seeing their own therapist and all that kind of stuff but it's kind of like a little soap opera woven through it with the people that the therapist sees and her therapist i'm not done with it actually um and my daughter said the same thing she's like i didn't finish it because i didn't want to but oh really you know, the end of it but I haven't but it's really good yeah yeah um, actually Erica's been on the podcast and she suggested that book when she was on oh the did show. she on yeah. the podcast yeah, uh-huh. she, she's I think she and Ellie because they both have the same major they'll talk to each other and so yeah it's good um okay two more questions who's someone or someone fun motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee tea or cocktail with fun okay so before the shows we were watching now it was Game of Thrones so I think Amelia Clark I think she'd be fun Okay. Um, And then what is your last message to leave with our audience today? That's hard. You know, I think people ask, we've talked about this. I I think being grateful and being kind are the two most important things we can have people do in the program. And both of those can be tough when you're overwhelmed and frustrated and things have happened. But I feel like if you just practice gratitude and you're kind to people, you don't know what everyone's going through. Do those two things. It's a lot easier to be successful and have fun. So even when it's hard, I try to focus on those personally and try to have the team focus on that as well. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Thank you, Lori, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Go Pack Go. That's becoming familiar to me here in Raleigh. Lots of my neighbors are big NC State fans. Hey, friends, you can check out everything we talked about in the show notes, which are at sandyboyproductions.com. There is a tab for I'll Have Another Podcast there that you can check out. It'll also give you a little pop-up to sign up for our newsletter as well. We'd love to have you join that where I email you the show notes every single week so that if there's a book or anything we talk about, you won't miss that. You don't have to stop your run and write it down or put it in your notes app. You can just get the newsletter sent to your email. Same day, the episode comes out. Pretty cool. Big thanks to Emma for making that happen. Uh, I'd love to connect with you on social media. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 on Instagram, Lindsay Hine on Twitter, and we have a great Facebook group for this podcast. I'll have another podcast as well. If you are a parent or someone helping raise kids, I also host a podcast for parents, caregivers, anybody helping raise kids. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Why Is Everyone Yelling? It's a really suitable name for a podcast for people with small kids, is it not? Uh, all right, friends. I hope you're having the very best day. Have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.